Hey friend, Rebecca here. Welcome to Love Is Not Dead, Just My Husband. Now I know that the pain of a loss may seem never ending and we can let it eat us alive and break us down to our weakest point or we can choose to live. My question is, do you just want to survive or do you want to thrive? So if you're ready, I want you to join me here each week so we can widow our own way together. So, you're a widow. Now what? If only there was a step-by-step guide. Now, I don't know about you, but I need rules or instructions. I'm a bit OCD, so rules actually give me comfort. I am literally a person who plans an entire year of finances on an Excel sheet. I live and breathe by a Google Doc. I need to know what's going to happen next. And Tom used to make so much fun of me for that. I planned everything, and he was totally opposite. He could care less about a bill, and if he wanted it, trust me, he went and got it. He would always say to me, You can't have a plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Sometimes he would recite the entire alphabet just to annoy me. So after the funeral is over and all the visitors are gone, you may find yourself just sitting around, staring off into space, wondering what you have to do next. But don't worry, my widow friend. The realization hits you like Mike Tyson, and there is plenty of widow shit that you need to do. And let's not forget about the limited amount of time that you actually have to do it. Bereavement leave is a joke. Now, I have heard from people that most widows get three to five days. That is absolutely ridiculous. The amount of time they expect you to grieve, plan, and attend a funeral and deal with all your financial matters. Luckily, at the time, I was a contracted employee, so I did get two weeks off. But I also got two weeks off without pay. I also didn't get two weeks of just laying in the bed, crying, and feeling sorry for myself because, let's face it, Things have to be done. I did let my sister-in-law plan the funeral because I just wasn't in any kind of state of mind to do that. But this is now stuff that I have to do. Now it's time to do the things that the spouse has to take care of. These are decisions that we have to make, that no one else can make these for us. So what do I do? I make a mental checklist because planning is what I do best. First, we have to get this house packed up. Can't stay in Kentucky anymore. It's time to head home. We had a 25-foot U-Haul, and luckily my brother-in-laws were still there to help. My husband's nephews came out to help pack up stuff, but there was a lot of stuff. And I will let you know, I learned so much more about my husband packing up our house. I found things that I didn't even know that we had. And like I said earlier, if he wanted something, he bought it. And he would also buy stuff and not tell me how much it cost. I found out that the big 65-inch TV in the living room cost a whole lot more than what he said. 
he had bought a brand new stereo set. And I didn't know about that. I was finding boxes of shoes that he had hidden in the closet that he was buying that I had no idea about. And then I was finding all these little, like, cheap things. They were just cheap. They were items, but they were cheap. Like, they came off of Wish.com. And the thing is, it was crunch time. I didn't have the time that I needed or wanted to actually go through all of his things. I tried to pack up as much as I possibly can to put in the U-Haul to bring home with me. Once I was back home, I really didn't want to go back to work. And that was a struggle, just caring about work, not caring about work. So I just cared not to go back. But that's okay, because there was still so much stuff that had to be done. Estate planning keeps you pretty occupied for a while, but you're bound to miss something. I know I did. I actually had to keep a certified death certificate in my purse readily available for at least a year, because you never know who you're actually going to have to prove that your husband died. Next on the list, is mail. I didn't realize how many accounts that I had to actually close that were in Tom's name. And then there were accounts that we had together that I needed to remove his name. When I went to the bank to talk about our shared uh, checking accounts and stuff, I just started crying. I did. I started crying. And the lady at the bank was so nice. She was like, you know, you don't have to take his name off your account. She goes, it might be best to actually leave it on just for a while, just in case something comes in and you need to be able to deposit it or cash it. I was so relieved. I was able to just keep his name on something. And actually, I kept his name on our checking account for, I know, at least two years. I would have never thought that something as simple as closing an account or removing Tom's name from something would be so emotional for me. And I just felt like I was canceling my husband. Who does that? Well, I guess widows do. Now when I get mail with Tom's name on it, it just makes me laugh. I think of it as a sign and then I tell myself an entire scenario of what Tom would do with that credit card offer. All of this is the embarrassing part for me. I'm embarrassed about how I handled my husband's death, the funeral, and everything shortly after. Because it had been a while since I'd actually experienced the death of a loved one, which was my grandmother when my son was just shortly after my son was born, I didn't really know what to do. So I treated this as I would anything else in my life, like a task, like a job, something that you have to do, you have to get through it, but you have to do it well. I'm not going to say I'm a perfectionist, but again, a little bit OCD. So I tried to get through everything as quick as possible. I needed to cross all my T's, 
dot all my I's and I need to make sure everything was taken care of perfectly. That only occupied my mind for so long. Now, this is the part where I should have actually reached out and tried to find someone to talk to. I should have looked for a support group. I should have looked for another widow. I should have probably signed up for therapy. But I didn't do any of that. Just as everything else in life, I had to get over it. There's no use crying about it. It's not going to bring Tom back. You need to get back to work. There's bills that have to be paid. Everyone else was moving along with their life. I need to do the same. And there was no way that I was going to let anyone see that I was struggling. That was my attitude in life. I can do it all by myself. I don't need any help. This is where I was also wrong. I don't want you to make the same mistake that I did. Take as much time as you need. Don't rush through it. I look back now, and those two weeks in Kentucky after Tom's funeral are really a blur. I only remember little tidbits here and there. One thing I remember is fried chicken. Oh my God, so much fried chicken. You know how when someone passes away and everybody wants to bring you food? Everyone brought fried chicken. It was chicken for breakfast, chicken for lunch, chicken for dinner, chicken for a snack. I ate so much fried chicken, I don't even eat it anymore. And just a side note so you guys know, fried chicken was Tom's favorite. The other thing that I remember is the first time that I laughed. This was the first time that I got a really good laugh after Tom had passed away. It was a few days after the funeral, and there was a knock on the door, and it was somebody from the funeral home. And he said, he asked for me, and I said, I'm, I'm Rebecca Johnson. He said, well, I'm delivering your husband's remains. And I'm like, okay. So I went to go grab the bag. He said, you might want to grab it from the bottom. I'm like, okay. So he handed it to me. And first thing I thought, wow, this is heavy. Now, Tom was a big guy. He was 6'3", 300 pounds. So I don't know what I was thinking, honestly. Come on, guys. I, I don't know. But he was heavy. So I set him on the table. Tom's brother comes out of the kitchen. He said, what's that? And I said, it's Tom. He said, really? And I said, yeah. So I started to pull down the bag on the outside and he's in this plastic box. And, you know, I'm just thinking, I mean, wow, just plastic box just seems so plain. So I put my hands on the side of the um the little plastic box and I started laughing. <laughs> and Clark said to me, he said, what's so funny? I said, he's hot. He said, what? I said, he's hot. He said, what do you mean he's hot? I said, he's hot. He's fresh out of the oven. <laughs> we laughed so hard and so loud. My sister-in-law came out of the bedroom. She goes, what is wrong with you guys? I said, 
we have Tom. She said, okay. And she said, what's so funny? I said, he's hot. He's fresh out of the oven. She looked at me with shock on her face. She said, y'all are stupid. <laughs> and turned around and walked off. Oh, that was that was a really good moment. I, I think I actually needed that laugh. So anyway, back to the story, because you guys needed that laugh, too. Once I was home, I was still just avoiding the fact that I was a widow. I just thought that I was living in some kind of nightmare and just waiting to wake up. I really did need some kind of help. I needed some kind of support. I should have went to therapy. I should have talked to someone, but I didn't. And because I do like rules and instructions and little checklists, I do wish that there was a few things that someone would have been able to tell me at the time that I needed to know. First of all, being a widow sucks. And I know you think, does someone really have to tell you that being a widow sucks? Yes, someone needed to tell me that being a widow sucked. I really needed to know how bad and for how long. Next, people say the stupidest things. You can either say things back or you can just ignore it and move on with your life. You're going to be a third wheel. You are. You are absolutely going to be a third wheel. I have been a perpetual third wheel for almost five years now. Not everyone's going to understand. Not everyone has lost a husband. So they're not going to understand exactly how you're grieving. But most people have lost somebody. So in a sense, grief still is grief. For me, I don't think me losing my husband, like the actual loss of my husband, is any more important than anyone else's loss. Life moves on, with or without you. As a widow, you're only the center of attention for maybe a week or so. Everyone else has to get back to work. They have their own families they have to take care of too. There's going to be a few people in your circle that will still be there in it with you for a while. But life does move on. Accept help when it's offered. So many people offered to help me with something, and I said no all the time. I turned so many people away that I'm surprised they even still kept coming around. You will never be the same. I know that one might seem a little weird to some people, but here's the thing. I am not the same person today that I was before my husband passed away, after he passed away, a year after he passed away, not even two years after he passed away, I am not the same. But guess what? It all does get better. Eventually, it gets better. 
One thing that death and cancer has taught me is that we all have limited time. And if you're constantly worried about what's going to happen next, you're going to miss everything. The best way for me to honor Tom was by giving up my plan B. So for me now, there's only one plan. And that plan is to live my life to the fullest and widow my own way. I am embracing my mistakes. I don't care what other people think anymore. I'm asking for help when I need it. I have learned to slow down. I show gratitude for everything. I'm still trying to be vulnerable. And maybe, just maybe, I'll find love again. Because after all, love is not dead. Just my husband. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Love Is Not Dead, Just My Husband. I really hope you've been inspired to move forward just a little or a lot. And always remember to widow your own way. I know it takes time to get there, but you won't find me sitting around waiting for my life to begin any longer. So I hope you tune in each week to see what comes next. And if once a week isn't enough, you can head on over to my Facebook and Instagram so we can chat. I would love to hear your thoughts on today's episode and get to know you better. And please, don't forget to hit the subscribe button, give me a five-star rating, and leave a review so you never miss an opportunity to hang out with me 